Now, good morning. I don't think that we are going to wait any longer than this time. Yeah. I think we'll just start this morning. Uh, before maybe we start, let's pray together. Now, good morning. Time comes and time goes. People comes and people goes. I don't imagine and sometimes I fail to understand. It was just recently when we came over here. And the days are flying like nobody's business. <laughs> this is our third year over here. And having said that, Soon and very soon, we are relocating back to our country. So instead of us now climbing up, we are climbing down. And soon, we are going to sing a song saying goodbye as we go back to our country. Anyway, this morning I've been asked, and uh, I want us actually to focus in the book of First Kings, First Kings chapter 13, First Kings chapter 13, verse 14 through verse 19. And before maybe I start maybe discussing this uh, text, the question I may ask is this. Do people really need wisdom? Do people nowadays look for counsel? Do people nowadays still look for these directives or directions from some people so as to navigate through the issues in life? And if so, do they attain them and implement, or they attain them and then put them aside. Now, this is a scenario whereby, when we go to the book of First Kings, chapter First uh, Kings, uh, no, Second Kings, chapter thirteen, starting from verse uh, fourteen, we may come a scenario of the time. Maybe people going to seek for wisdom going to seek for counsel, but implementing what they have received becomes a problem. Now, I will be reading this text as I explain. So let me just maybe introduce this text before I read as you follow along. First, uh, Second Kings chapter 13, verse 14 through 19, is a scenario whereby it was during a moment of Prophet Elisha's life, Elisha succeeded Prophet Elijah to the nation of Israel as a prophet. Though Prophet Elisha was on his last times, he is to be remembered for many miracles he did during his time. As you read 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, you can realize that he multiplied the widow's oil. 
He raised the Shunammite son. That's Second Kings, chapter four, verse eight to thirty-seven. He fed the one hundred men. That is Second Kings, chapter four, verse forty-two to verse forty-four. He healed Naaman's leprosy. Second Kings, chapter five, verse one through twenty-seven. Elisha also made the axe head to float on water. That is Second Kings, chapter six. Verse 1 to 7. As that is not enough, or that as that was not enough, he defeated the Assyrian chariots of fire on the mountain. That is 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. According to this text, Israel as a nation was in a turmoil sin over and over, and they were not counting God as everything actually to cope out with. And they were on a constant war with Assyria, who attacked them time to time. At this time, Assyrians were advancing against the nation of Israel. King Joash was afraid about their invention. And as a result, he ran to Elisha, a prophet, so that he may help him come out this problem. He pleaded with Elisha to intercede on his behalf before God. For he knew the potential power Elisha had as a man of God. Elisha gave his sound counsel to the king. Though the king lacked wisdom, he also lacked obedience that he failed actually to use all the counsel and the wisdom he was given by Prophet Elisha. This did not only happen to King George, but even in our society presently or now, it can happen to one of us. Thus, we face the same challenges as King George. We face the same difficulties as King George. We face the same things like King George was facing with the nation of Israel. But they lacked wisdom of obedience to utilize the whole opportunity which God has given them. Sometimes also we may have such an like opportunity like King Joash going to King Elisha, knowing very well that what King Elisha is going, uh, Prophet Elisha is going to say, for him he knew that he's going to overcome his enemies. That was an opportunity. And at the same time, that's what I'm saying even in our society today, we face the same challenges. Not maybe from the enemies, but even from within ourselves, we have battle. We are battling with life. And we have the opportunity either to overcome or neglect the wisdom and fail. Sometimes, we may even know where we can get the counsel. We may even know where we can run to for the wisdom so as to navigate through the issues how they come in our lives. Asking George fail a need, he knew where his need will be solved, but he did not listen and obey the whole counsel from Prophet Elisha as a man of God. Like George, we may also press the, the same need in, the, in our families. 
We may even express challenges in our families. We may even express some hardship from our families. But sometimes we fail actually to follow it out through what God has even laid before us so as to finish well. Thus, we need to know where our help comes from. During the time of distress, we need to know where our help comes from. As you read Psalms 121, chapter, uh, chapter 121, verse 1 through 8, the Bible says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come. My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shed on the right hand. The sun shall not strike you by the day, nor the, noon, uh, the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from evil. He will keep you alive. The Lord will keep you, the Lord will keep you going out, you are coming in from this time. Forth and forevermore. Sometimes we fail to understand where our help comes from. King Charles knew where his help comes from, and that's why he ran to Elisha, actually to seek help from him. But as we will see from the text, we can come to conclusion and say, though he knew where his help came from, but he failed because of some things. Now, in this text, in this text, we are going to survey four things, four ways Elisha gave his wisdom to King Josh. We are going to survey four things or four ways Elisha gave his wisdom to King Josh. Number one, Elisha gave his wisdom to King Josh by way of his influence. When you read verse 14. Number two, Elisha gave his wisdom by way of his spoken word. When you read verse 15 through 17. Number three, Elisha gave his wisdom by way of his counsel. He talks to him when you read verse 18. And finally, number four, Elisha gave his wisdom by way of his explanation. He explained what he needed to know about all that he wanted to know. Uh, about this uh, part. So this brings us to the first, to our first outline. Elisha gave his wisdom by way of influence. Verse 14. Let's, let me read as you follow. Verse 14. We are uh, talking about Second uh, Kings chapter 13, starting from verse 14 through 19. But let me read verse 14. Now, when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Now, here it's outline number one. Elisha gave his wisdom to King Joash by way of his influence. 
King Joash was terrified because the Israelites were under threats attacked by the Assyrians. As a king, he was overpardoned by this and sought to seek counsel and help from Elisha, the prophet man of God. That is what he did. We should notice that King Joash, although he is seeking this wisdom, this counsel from Elisha, but him as a person, he was not the training king. His heart was away from God. Let's read. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which he made Israel to sin. Did not depart from them. Now, notice also, verse 6. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin, but walked in them, and Asherah also remained in Samaria. Now, also read verse 11. He also did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which he made Israel to sin, but he walked in them. Now, in other words, I'm trying just to say, although he is seeking the counsel, although he's seeking the wisdom from Elisha as a man of God, but him as a person, him as a king, his heart was not training before God. King George followed his father's footsteps. So did the children, uh, so did the children of Israelites were following the same path, and a judgment was looming upon them. During those days, however, kings could not humble before anyone. They did not wait upon the prophet to exercise their duties so as to cut on what God has laid on their hearts. Here, King George recognized the powers that Elisha had as a man of God. He recognized that. That's why he went to him and pleaded with him. He recognized that Elisha is going to do something, a servant of God, to help him. He knew that if Elisha will pray to God, then God will answer his prayers and the Israelites will overcome their enemies. That is the point here. And that's why he went. He saw Assyrians coming as an enemy of Israel. So the only way he should go to Elisha as a man of God to pray to God because God is the, their helper he will actually win the battle which is before them. Though he went out to seek the counsel from the man of God, as I've said earlier, he himself as a person, he was not a chaining king. He was not a chaining king. When you want to read, you can go just back to verse 11. This can also be a reflection to the present days. It is hard for leaders on a higher level like church to seek God when they are on leadership. Yeah, this, this is true. Kings, sometimes it's very hard for them to humble. Given that they are on leadership, on a higher level like church, humbling down to a person, a mere person like a pastor or a man of God, sometimes it's very hard. And we can see it here. He's going to Elisha, but inwardly he's not changing. 
He's just going, for me, I normally say that he went there just for formality, so that the people may know that he went to seek wisdom. But in a real sense, he was the real church. He was the real church. He was the real church. They even turned one to seek and to know what God requires of them, given that all leaders are appointed by God. Many feel they are above the law, and they are not even accountable to anything or to anybody. Now, we as Christians, we need to understand. We need to pray for our nations. And more importantly, we need to pray for the, for the world. Why? Because Satan is hindering the advancement of the gospel. And we need to pray. Because if we are not going to, uh, to pray, then the advancement of the gospel is not going further. And we have been commanded to go. And how can we go if we have roadblocks everywhere? So to unlock these roadblocks, then we need to pray. The question is, do we pray? We need to pray. So that God may unlock these roadblocks for us to go with the gospel. We need to know that God is the sustainer of every nation and every leadership is urged actually to follow the footsteps of God because God has laid down or has designed his methodology of how we can minister in his vineyard. So it's a challenge to you and to me. Whether we do pray or whether we, we, we don't pray, but you have been commanded to go. And you cannot go if there are roadblocks everywhere. You need to pray so that God may unlock this roadblock so that we can foster the gospel. This brings us to outline number two. Elisha kept his wisdom by way of his spoken word. He gave his wisdom by way of his spoken word. Look at verse 15 through verse 17. Verse 15 reads, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Throw the bow, and he threw it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Verse 17. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot! And he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Assyria. For you shall fight the Syrians in Afek until you have met an end of them. Outline number two, Elisha gave his wisdom by way of spoken word. Verse 15, his word, the words of Elisha were instructional. He was instructing him. Elisha was trying to specifically tell Josh what he needed to do if in any case he's going to win the battle. He gave him simple instruction, but Josh had trouble to follow all through. He had trouble to follow the wisdom. He had trouble to follow this counsel all through. 
Elisha's instructions were God's instruction because Elisha was representing God and could not invent his own instructions. He was a mouthpiece of God. He was representing God. And he could not invent his own methodology and lay it to Elisha, to Josh as a king. But he could speak only what God has instructed him to speak. And here he is. He's telling King Josh. Both of them were just to follow the, direction, uh, the directives of God. They were only to follow what God wanted them to know. I don't know. Maybe King Josh knew that this is very simple and I cannot uh, follow something like this. Or I don't know what was coiling in his head. But it was very simple like that. He's giving him instruction. And if you are, uh, you are given instruction and then you don't follow, then guess the outcome. You are not going to do it well. And this is what Elisha has instructed him. And as we will be following this text, we will see that Joash did not follow this counsel. And he failed. We can expect God to work in our midst. For example, provide for our needs. Save our nations and protect us only if we can respond according to his word and according to his instruction. That's the bottom line. We can expect much from God, but the bottom line is, are we following his word? Are we following his instruction? Are we living by what he has designed? If not, then guess what? The result are going to be null and void. We are not going to win. Maybe you are struggling in your life even right now. You want this or you want that. Or maybe your prayers are not being answered. You are not experiencing God's presence in all your doings. You are not experiencing the breakthroughs in your plans. You are encountering challenges over challenges. Instead of growing strong in the faith or in the ministry, you are instead growing tired and weary. You are not experiencing the breakthroughs. I want to encourage you this morning. Just trust the sovereignty of God. Trust the sovereignty of God. What is happening to you, it is for your own sanctification. When you read the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible reads, And we know that for those who love all things, work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So what is happening to you, it is not something new. It has happened to other people. When you read the Bible, other people have experienced that. But why? Why you? Maybe God is allowing that for your own sanctification. For your own sanctification. 
He has not forsaken you. He is working it out. He will not allow it to continue after you have learned a lesson from him. He will not allow it even to continue in your life. He will take it away. After you learn a lesson, take it away. Because it is there for your sanctification. God is not going to take away problems. But God is going to help us navigate through the problems. He's going to give us power. He's going to give us the faith which we need so as to navigate through the problems and challenges you are facing. But I promise you, he's not going to remove the sufferings, the challenges which we are encountering in the life. But he's going to strengthen you so that you can go through them courageously, depending on him. Now, verse 15 again, apart from instructional words, Elisha's words also were practical. Verse 15, when you read verse 15, you can see that apart from instructional words, his words were also practical. This was not a difficult request. Joash was making here, notice, the enemy is advancing and the nation as a whole is in danger. The enemy is advancing and the whole nation of Israel is in danger. So he's making a request before Elisha. The only way was to take an arrow and a bow to defend themselves according to the instruction given by God. However, the pattern was not of King Joash or to the nation of Israel. But the pato belonged to God. The pato belonged to God. The pato was not of King Joash. The pato was not of, of Prophet Elisha. The pato was not of the nation of Israel. Though the enemies were coming, but the pato belongs to God himself. Belongs to God himself. God was not expecting them to deliver or serve, them, or serve themselves, but only required them to be obedient, allowing and following his word as he instructs them. He was not telling them, save yourself. He's not telling them that now you need to fight for yourself. Because the part belongs to him, what he wanted from them was obedience. Only obedience and the to follow what he wanted them to know. Sometimes following God may seem difficult as we walk with him in the Christian life. We may experience conflicts or being sidelined or ridiculed in our faith. We should not run away like Jonah or give up, but just to what God is asking you to do. God is there for you. But running away from Jonah, like Jonah, excuse me, running away like Jonah, it is not solving, but it is creating. I normally say, running away from a problem is not solving a problem, but it is creating another problem. Jonah ran away, but finally, God made sure that he came back to do the assignment God has given him to do. Let us not run away. 
But let us just go back to God because God knows what is happening. Why? Because God has already designed his ministry. And he wants us to minister according to his way. God is our protector. God is our defender, provider of everything we need so as to serve him in our life. You you don't have anything of your own to pluck around as you minister in God's fight Everything that we have which are propelling us so as to minister, which are propelling so as to walk a Christian life, it also comes from him. It's not out of you. So it is not about you, it is about him. Because it is him who came down here and reached to you. And it is him who called you. And it is him who saved you. So the agenda is him and taking that agenda in us, which means he has designed it and he's going to give us energy and wisdom so as to do whatever he wants us to do in his vineyard. It is not about you. It's about him. But as Christians, we are not fighting so as to win. Listen to this. As Christians, we are not fighting so as to win. But as Christians, we are fighting out of victory. Because Christ won for us at Calvary. So, we are not fighting so as to win. But we are fighting out of victory because Christ won victory for us. So as we follow his footsteps, we are assured for victory because he won for us. And that's why Paul could tell the Ephesians, put on the full armor of God. Now when he was telling them to put on the full armor of God, the full armor was not offensive but he was telling them to put on the full hammer as a defensive mechanism from the weapons of Satan to defend themselves from what Satan is going after to do. But it was not that they put on the full armor so that they can fight with those things, fight, looking where Satan is to fight him. No. It was not for offensive, but it was for defensive purpose. Why? Why did he tell them that? Because he knew that we are not fighting so as to win because the battle was won 2,000 years ago by Jesus Christ. He said all is what? Finished. So if Christ said all is finished, what remains? It's obedience and the trust. But the trust and obey. That is the, thing, the only thing that remains with us. He has designed his ministry and he wants us actually to follow. Victory lies on our side. That's, uh, that's what I, I may say. Look at verse uh, 16. Verse 16 also tells us something about God. Then he said, the king of Israel threw the bow and he threw it 
And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hand. Remember, we are still on the words of Elisha telling Josh. So verse 16 is telling us the invention, invention of God. God is coming in. He's coming in so that he can actually help out what is going on here. Joash had no power in himself. He put his hands on the, on the paw, and Elisha laid his hands upon the king's hands. King Joash needed God's power so as to succeed in that battle. All that man does without God is vanity or in vain. There's nothing man can do. There's nothing man can add to whatever he's doing apart from God. And apart from God, what we do is all vanity. Man can accomplish nothing without the power of God. We can do nothing. Even our salvation, we did nothing so as to attain salvation. We were dead. A dead person has nothing. Has nothing, actually, to support himself. We were dead in sin. And God, by his mercy and grace, he, he reached down to us and revived us from the death. And then that's why we are saying we are a, a new creation. We are Christians. We, does, we, we, we do not live because of our own, but we live depending on him. Because everything he has done, he has done so us. You may actually live a victorious life, and we cannot live a victorious life until we depend on him. And we cannot depend on him until we are not connected to him. It is like you have your mobile phone. You cannot call maybe your friend until you are connected to the internet. Without the internet, your phone is useless. And our internet is Jesus Christ. Unless we are connected to Jesus Christ, now Christianity is useless. So connect, being connected is not you. He connected you to himself. And because he connected you to himself, so we have the assurity that whatever we do as Christians, we are going to be victorious because he has, he's doing it through us. And that's why Paul says, the Philippians, work out your salvation with the fear and the trembling. When you come to verse 13, he said, because that person who works is new, it's God himself. It's not you, it's God himself. So, King Joash needed God's power so as to succeed in that battle. And also you need God's power so as to succeed in whatever circumstances you are passing through. You need God's power. You need God actually to intervene and help you out. Otherwise, you cannot make it. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 as we have read. And he said, open the window eastwards, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shoot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over 
Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in Africa until you have made an end of them. So verse 17, God's promise. God's promise. Shooting an arrow before the enemies was a declaration of war. And this was an arrow of victory to Israelites. Because the, the prophet has already told the church that this is an arrow of victory. And the shooting that arrow was a declaration of war. The window faced to the east side towards Assyria. When you, you read some commentaries, they say that he told him to shoot through the window which faces eastwards, and that eastwards, that is the, the direction of Assyria. When you want to read, you can also read Second uh, Kings chapter 10, verse 32 through 33. The prophet had already revealed that God was going to grant them victory over their enemies. He has already told them that God has promised you a victory. You are going to win. He has already told them. Let's go back to verse 5, chapter 13, verse 5. Verse 5 says, Therefore the Lord gave Israelites a savior so that they escaped from the hand of the Syrians and the people of Israel lived in their homes as formerly. Now, you see, God has already given them that you are going to, to win. He has already told them in verse 5. And here in verse 17, the prophet is instructing him what to do. He's just instructing him what to do because in verse 5, he has already told them that they're going to, to win. As Christians, and the ministers of the gospel, we are not serving a dead God. Neither are we serving a weak and powerless God. We are serving Almighty God who was and who is. We are serving our recent Savior who conjured sin for us on the cross. He, uh, he carried captivity captive and set free those bound by sin. That's the Lord we are serving. We are more than conquerors in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Whether we pass in the valley of death, he is our shepherd. When we pass through challenges, I encourage you this morning, sing Psalms 23 and read. John chapter 10, he's a good shepherd. He's not going to leave you. Because he chose you, it was his agenda. And to carry you is his agenda. Up to the finishing line, he's not going to abandon you. Elisha was actually telling Joash what to do. But notice what is going to happen in verse 18. Now, this brings us to a third outline. Elisha showed wisdom by way of his counsel. Verse 18. Elisha showed his wisdom by way of his counsel. Verse 18 reads, And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, Strike the crown with them. And he strike three times and stopped. Elisha told him to take the arrows and smite the crown. That was the word. 
take the arrows, smite the ground. It is, it is something like an infinitive. It is, he, he did not say, take the arrow and strike the, the ground three times or four times. It's just, just strike. Just strike. This was common sense. He was to take all the arrows which he had in his hands and smite the ground with them until they all get finished. King George only smited three times and left other arrows in his quiver. Just three times and left other in his quiver. He did not fully submit or follow the instructions of the prophet. And like George, anyway, God also asks us to totally submit to his whole counsel without leaving anything in our life which is in in opposition in our hearts. Elisha is asking George to submit. And God is also asking us to submit all which we have in our lives which is in opposition to his will. He's telling us to submit all. I don't know what you are struggling with now or the things which always pulls you back or the setbacks in your life. God is asking us this morning to surrender all to him. Look at verse, uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my pattern is light. He's invited. It is like he has opened his arms and he's inviting the sinners. He's inviting those who are in struggle. Come to me. Why is he doing that? Because he has a solution to your life. He has a solution. He will fix it. That's why he's saying, come to me. Confidently, he will do it. Another thing, just verse 18, Joash had great opportunity. He had opportunity to defeat his enemies. But I don't know whether King Joash knew the outcome of what he was just about to do. But if he knew, maybe he could have acted differently because his victory lies within what he was just about to do. God is suffering and he is not limited by our abilities or action. But sometimes we miss the opportunity as King George because of our disobedience and sometimes unbelief before him. We miss it. We can experience great power from God, but sometimes we fail short of his standards and we miss what he wants us to accomplish as Christians. We may be in a battle even today, and we are maybe about to resign or give up by saying, I can't keep it up any longer. Enough is enough. You are just about me to say enough is enough. Because these things have revolved in your life until it is becoming something which you cannot bear anymore. And you are just about to say, oh, no, 
I can't stomach these things anymore. Enough is enough. This problem of problems, I can't stomach it. Be encouraged. This is his work, not your work. He will carry it to accomplition. How is he going to do that? Through his power, through his plan, through his way. Yours is just to follow and obey. Yours just to follow and obey. He's going to do that. As we surrender to him, we realize the potential we have in him and how much we can accomplish in his finiat as we minister. King Josh, just on verse 18, King Josh's problem, let us look at his problem. And he smiled only three times, and then he stopped. That was his problem. He only just smiled three times, and then he stopped. Elisha did not tell him to smite three times. Instead, he told him to smite the arrows he had. Smite the arrows you have. He did not tell him three times. But maybe, by submitting three times, he thought that this was enough. Maybe, oh, this is enough. We cannot blame him. Though he had a chance for more, but he only smiled three times. Why did he stay with three only? <laughs> we don't have an answer. Maybe he thought he only needed a little help. Who knows? Maybe he just said, I didn't help. Who knows? God has not just asked us to surrender to him in segments, but he wants us to surrender to him in whole. He has not asked us, our lives, to surrender to him in segments, but he is asking our lives to surrender to him in whole. That's what he's asking. Surrender to him in whole. God has asked us for all that we possess, that they are in opposition with him. He wants us to surrender to all to him. Many people around the world are living a defeated life. Why? Because they have made some sons in their life are no son to God. <laughs> they have demarcated their life and they have, uh, they have made some, li- uh, some segments in their lives are no son to God. God, you can possess this side, but this side, no. And God did not save us in segments. He saved us wholly as a people. So he doesn't want us to surrender to him in segment, but he wants us to surrender to him wholesomely as a person. But some people, they have actually made some limits to God in their lives. We may have started well, but along the way, we started drifting away unknowingly, drifting away from the reality, drifting away from the truth, drifting away from what we are expected to do as Christians. Unknowingly, we are drifting away. We don't know. We cannot even divine that, how you are drifting away, but you know. Because the prophet of your life is yourself. 
<laughs> the prophet of your life is yourself because you know your weaknesses and your strength. You started well, but along the way you are drifting away unknowingly. It doesn't matter how you said it, but it matters how you finish. The finishing power. We have around the world, we have sort of people who normally run marathons and they come from my country. And sometimes when they are running the marathon, the finishing power. They can run, they can run, but when they see that they are going to finish, they have the finishing power. And that is finishing power gives them a plus because they are going to emerge winners in the Olympics. So we are a Christian. It doesn't matter how you started. Maybe you started slowly, but what matters is the finishing power. And that finishing power, it is not, it does not stem from us, but it stems from him in us. He's working his in us. And that's why we need the finishing power. I don't know how powerful you are this time compared to how you started your Christian life, your Christian walk. How can you catch yourself? Are you still powerful or there are some things along the way they have made you actually to drift away from the reality. And soon and very soon, you indicate yourself lacking power to stay the course. Lacking power to move the way God wants you to move. Now, this brings us to the fourth outline. Elisha gave his wisdom by way of explaining by way of explaining to King George. Verse 19. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you will have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Wow. Only three times. That's the bottom line. You strike three, and that's how you are going to do. I, I think as a person, Joash may, may have been disturbed here. These are our enemies. Every time I have come to you, I know you have a solution. And then at the, at the bottom line, everything, after we have finished everything, this is what you are telling me? Only three times? Wow. He had a problem. King George's problem. Elisha did not tell him to smite three times. Instead, he told him to smite more than that. But smiting, smiting uh, as we have talked uh, earlier on in verse uh, 18, here he is now explaining to him. He was annoyed with King George because of what he did. He did not follow the instruction, and now he has missed the chance of having victory over his enemies. Remember, Elisha is going to die. And because Elisha is going to die, him as a king, he's going to miss a person whom he could console so as to go to the battle. Elisha is going to die, because when you read, you can see that Elisha was having an illness whereby he's not going to live and move. And now, as a final word to king, he's telling him, 
<laughs> only three times you are going to, to win. He told King Joash that he will only defeat his enemies only three times. How is he going to defeat the enemies? Look at verse 25. Verse 25, this is how he's telling, them, he's telling him. Then Joash, the son of Joash, took a cane from Pen had Pen Hadad, the son of Esail, the cities of the the cities of that had taken from Joash his father in war. Three times Joash defeated him and recovered the cities of Israel. Three times. This is how. So the, the man of God is annoyed with him. And because he's annoyed with him, he's telling him, you are only going to win three times. The question which comes in my mind is that how many times have we gone out to seek for the wisdom? How many times have we gone out to seek for the counsel from men of God that we needed? And how many times have we neglected their counsel and served our laws? It is far better to hear and obey God's whole counsel so that we may, be, we may not be losers in the spiritual battle. It is better to follow the whole counsel of God so that we become winners or maybe we, 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 can, uh, we, we can no longer be those people who are being defeated when we do his ministry or when we walk the Christian walk or the Christian life. The battle belongs to him. Let us trust him and follow him. Let us trust his counsel. And we will be victorious in ministry and in our life. God has already designed how his work should be done. Yours is just to obey and follow. And he will do that ministry through you. So guys, this morning... As I started saying, to people still need wisdom. Yes, we may still want wisdom. But the, the question is, if we receive that wisdom, are we going to follow out that wisdom and implement it? And if we need wisdom and we cannot implement it, then there's no need of wisdom. But if we need wisdom and we get it, then let us implement it. Because there, God has wrapped up the result of wisdom, of his wisdom, to success. May God bless you and keep you and enhance your spiritual life. Let's pray.